All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I truly believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. We all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm gonna share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, you know, I'm excited for this person. This person I met in a networking group that I'm a part of, Build Your Life uh, Resume Course and Networking Community offered by Jesse Itzler. This person just leapt off the screen on the Zoom. You know, she really networked in a way where she was giving. She was offering insights to to someone like Jesse. Um, Jesse, for all of you out there that don't know, he's He's an entrepreneur. He's involved in a lot of things. He's owned companies. He's a husband to Sarah Blakely. So um, he's, you know, certainly somebody that gets asked for his time a lot and people uh, want him to do things for them or give him, you know, sign books, do all sorts of things. But but um, this person took a different approach. You know, she was very much asking him if she could help him, if she could, you know, summarize a book that he was interested in reading and giving that to him. And it just was a, a, a refreshing reproach to networking that I think we all can learn from. So this person is an author. Uh, she is a, a strategy leader, a book and media consultant. Uh, she's worked with people like Maria Shriver and Deepak Chopra. And, um, you know, she's really, really talented. Uh, she wrote a book uh, about grief called The Widow's Guide to Healing. And I'm just so excited for us all to learn some amazing networking tips from her. Please welcome none other than Kristen Mikoff to the podcast. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Alex, so much. I appreciate you having me. Yes. Awesome. I, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. So I want to get into it. Like the reason why I was so excited to speak to you was I think people struggle breaking in or thinking they're worthy talking to very, let's say, high profile people. And you've been able to, I, I think, uh, within a short span of time, be able to build some really strong connections with some very high profile people. I mentioned a few, Katie Couric, Deepak Chopra, you know, Maria Shriver, uh, the list goes on and even Jesse Itzler. So, and and there's probably more than that. So, you know, we're going to talk a lot about like networking and, and how you just, you know, create really genuine connections with people that, you know, may have a large following. Before we do, I'd, I'd just like people to meet you and get to know a little bit about you, you know, Kristen. So, can you maybe just, um, you know, I, I ask all these, uh, I ask these questions uh, at the front of the podcast, right? Um, you're an author now, you write about grief and kind of your experience. But um, before I ask you kind of our signature question, maybe give people a little bit of an overview of like, tell us, you know, who you are and, you know, a little bit about yourself. So networking was not my, the thing that I went to school for. I do not have an MBA and I've never taken a business class. So this was really a new thing for me when I realized that I wanted to obtain a literary agent. And in order to do so, I had to create what they call a platform in order for my work to look attractive to a potential publisher. And I knew absolutely nothing about it. 
And so I had to get scrappy and I decided on my own, even though, as I said, I don't have a degree that lends itself to business or advertising or communications, that I would reach out directly to Deepak Chopra, who became my mentor and very good friend, and also Katie Kirk. She's a business acquaintance, I like to say. She's she's also a friend, but not, I'm not, you know, I don't see her often or anything like that. But I've done some work for her as far as her newsletter, Wake Up Calling um, Katie Kirk Media. And it's just been really an interesting journey about sharing my own situation about how I've coped with grief and loss and then helping others to really find the voice to tell their story and to be able to share it in an authentic way. Yeah, I, I love it. So you like help people understand, you know, you you didn't have any business courses, you didn't, you know, have a degree in communications or business or networking or anything. What was your degree in? And we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what you've done. So I have an undergraduate degree from Kalamazoo College. It's a BA in psychology and I'm a master's in social work from the University of Michigan. And I, for many years, worked helping people with their suffering in a clinical, you know, in a clinical setting. And as I'm very much an introvert, I'm not comfortable, you know, reaching out in person, but I've had to teach myself to do that. And that's really what I think, you know, as an introvert, I've struggled with for many years, as you saw, like right before the show, I had some anxiety as well. And I really learned to use it for my advantage. And that's why I help other people do as well. You know, I've worked with many people, for example, who do have, you know, fancy degrees from various Ivy League schools, who have MBAs, who have millions of followers, and they still suffer at times with a bout of anxiety or lack of confidence. So I think that that's what's the humanistic approach that I use in helping others to share their message. Yeah. Awesome. You know, um, I, I like something you said there around like helping others like, um, you know, uh, process their something, their suffering or heal, heal, heal from their suffering. And that's something you learned as a social worker and as you know, and some and, and you know, your, your training is in psychology. And I imagine, you know, that you, you, you probably never th- like ever dreamed you would use some of this self, uh, this the same skills, maybe just in a different context when you're trying to you know, connect to someone like a, a Katie Couric or a Deepak Chopra and that sort of thing. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious, like, you know, if you, if you can point your finger on some of those things that, you know, kind of, uh, were similar things that you used in a social, uh, in a social setting, in a social worker setting and a psychology setting and, and what you do today before I, uh, before those questions, I'm going to ask you, I always ask people at the start of these podcasts about, my signature question, and I think you'd be able to really uh, answer this from a, uh, a as a social worker, you know, background and someone that's now, you know, reaching out to literary agents and things like that. So when when I say the term, uh, you know, sell something and sell it by being human, what does that mean to you when I when you hear that term? For me, it is to share your story or to share the, that story of another person, for example, if you're helping someone to promote their work in an authentic and compassionate way. Yeah. So like when, when you're doing that now, what does that look like? Like when you're helping people tell their story in a compassionate way? When you work through the lens of compassion, you're really able to address suffering and you're able to address whatever it is that somebody else needs help with. So if they're alleviating physical pain, if they're alleviating 
anxiety about, for example, if they have imposter syndrome or if they have a really terrific product, but again, are unsure of themselves and not lacking confidence. That's really what I work with is more behind the scenes types of things to help them to share their message and to do it so that when they leave the meeting or they leave the podcast interview or they leave an email, they're able to say that they feel really good about the way that they showed up. Yeah. So like the the people that you work with now, you're helping them share their message. I, I, I can only think that um, your story um, has helped you relate to people or ask questions in a way where they feel like Kristen is really trying to care for me. She, they're trying to like, she's trying to be present for me. Um, almost that like, you know what it feels like to be, you do. I mean, you've had to go through some, some intense grief in your life and, and I have as well. And, and I, you know, I kind of bring back to, you know, some of those experiences when I'm, you know, helping people, whether it's through grief or loss or suffering, or just, you know, through a problem that they're dealing with in their business or in their day to day, I, I can, you know, maybe empathize with them a little bit more, but, um, can you tell a little, you know, t- tell the story? I don't know, Kristen, I mean, for people that, you know, um, like haven't picked up your book, the, the title of your book is, you know, widow's guide to healing. Um, if, you know, for people that are not familiar with the book or kind of why you wrote it, you know, tell me, you know, can you give us a little bit of a glimpse of why you think it was an, an important book, uh, to write and what was the, um, you know, what caused you to write it? Well, actually, this goes way back to 1979 when I was about uh, two weeks shy of turning five when my father died from cancer when was undiagnosed. He was 30 at the time. And my mother was actually the first widow that I knew. And and during the time in the 70s, there was absolutely no resources as far as support groups or literature or, you know, obviously the Internet is not you know around. So she was very isolated in, in her grief and she didn't have really a guidebook or a blueprint to help her face the emotional, financial, and solo parenting and work-related issues that she faced. And then fast forward to 2007, I was 33 at the time when my husband had asymptomatic adrenal cancer. So by the time it became known, like he had physical pain, it was too late the cancer had spread. So he died about eight weeks after being misdiagnosed with bronchitis. And I in 2007, excuse me, you know, I also felt very isolated and alone in my grief. And I read everything I could about grief and loss. And I noticed that we connect best with stories of other people. And so I wanted to alleviate the suffering that others felt when they're alone in their grief. And so I went around and I interviewed as many widows as I could. I did this for about three years. And I wrote a book that is thematically connected, that is by grief. How in healing, however, it's the chapters are standalone. So if somebody just wants to know about the best advice for financial tips, they can just go to that chapter. For solo parenting, they can just go to that chapter. For work situation, they can just, you know, go to that chapter. And each chapter has expert guidance from experts who work in that field, and then stories that are blended in so that it really captures what women have been through and how they were able to you know, come out in a very resilient way and also were able to heal a part of themselves. Yeah. What do you uh, still experience uh, with, uh, with, with grief? Like, what does it look like today? Like seven years after, like, and I'm so sorry that, 
you're, you're, you've experienced that loss. Uh, I can't even imagine what, you know, losing someone in eight weeks with it. So unexpected feels like, um, what does it look like for you today? Uh, in terms of, um, grief. It's very bittersweet because I was just, I mean, you know, before the show began, I was sharing with you that because of the pandemic, it's estimated that one in five Americans have lost somebody. And for every person or death, excuse me, that has happened, at least nine people are grieving. And so people are coming to me from all walks of life, not just those who have lost a spouse or partner, but those who have lost a coworker, their colleague, their sister, their brother, their parent, even their child. And so each time that I speak with them for whatever reason that they have sought me out, whether it's they're struggling um, with, you know, different issues, you know, all sending me back to the grief, it does touch a part of my story and they want to hear from me directly. So I find myself sharing my story more often now in the past two years than I have in, you know, quite some time. And I always, you know, explain that, you know, grief, and loss are something that you don't overcome, but it's something that you learn to live with. And that's what I've, you know, that's what I've done. And it's bittersweet in the sense that because of that, I've been able to, you know, my life was completely shattered, but I was able to, you know, pick up the shards of glass, so to speak, and, you know, create something new with it. Well, I mean, I, I can only, um, you know, give you so much, uh, you know, like so, so much, um, you know, just uh, gratitude for, you know, telling me, you know, so, telling the world some of the stories and helping other people deal with it. And, and just, um, just, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm just very, very, um, you know, amazed at uh, you being able to be as resilient and to be open and honest, because it's not as it's, I find, um, you know, speaking about, um, you know, the um, person that I've lost in my life that the mo more I talk about him and, and, you know, stories about him, um, my, my dad, um, you know, I lost him to cancer in 2020, um, into le leukemia. And, um, I, uh, I find that, um, I do think about him from time to time. Um, it's not as intense as when it first happened, but when I can talk about him, it does help. And when, when, whenever, people ask me about him, tell me about your dad or tell me what he's like. Um, it, it, it does help. Uh, it, it helps tremendously. Um, you were talking about like stories connecting us. Um, so talk a little bit about, I feel like, you know, people like people maybe struggle to connect with people or relate, uh, in terms of compassion, unless they've had some major life event happen to them. Um, you know, either like a loss of someone or maybe, you know, growing up, um, you know, s struggles in their life. Um, so if they can't connect and sometimes it's hard to feel compassion unless you've had, um, some, t something really, you know, really hard or really, really tough happen to you. So talk, talk to me a little bit about how you, um, you know, in your practice, like what you do today, when again, people are coming to you with grief, how are you, um, you know, what questions are you asking them to, you know, help connect with them, uh, and, and relate to them on a, on a level, you know, after they've experienced such a profound loss. I think one of the most important and powerful things that one can do for another, if this is, if, you know, you find yourself in this situation is allow the person to tell their story wherever they are in, in their story. So early on when I was interviewing women for my book, I was interviewing somebody, not via video, but 
via telephone. And I knew the story because she had emailed me that her husband had died from Alzheimer's disease. And she felt that she had lost him, you know, years before the actual death happened. And so she also shared with me that she, you know, was in therapy and she was looking forward to, you know, participating in my book project. And after she was talking, um, I couldn't tell if it was the end of the, her story and I was just kind of the way she had phrased something. And I remember looking at my phone and thinking, oh my goodness, she hung up, like, you know, whatever. I wasn't sure what had happened. And I said, are you there? And she said, yes. And then she added, you're the first person who let me share my story without interrupting. And so that's what I try to do for people when they connect with me for whatever reason. I let them share whatever part of their story they would like to and do that without judgment and just allow them to get off their mind what it is that they would like to share. And then as far as um, myself, what I've really found and the research supports this, although I didn't realize what I was doing at the time was, you know, research backed is keeping a journal and expressive writing, whether you're having problems with stress, whether it's a work-related issue or relationship-related issue, or you've got something else on your mind that's, you know, that's creeping up, good or bad, expressive writing really does help with distressful feelings. And it may sound counterintuitive because you may be thinking, oh my goodness, once I put it on the page, it's very real, it's very scary. But the research shows it actually decreases the intensity of the emotions, and many times helps to solve a problem. And what are some, do you, are there some prompts or there questions that you ask yourself or how do you get started doing that kind of a writing? I think, well, first of all, sometimes it, sometimes it's prompts. Like I found that, or I've learned that, you know, which is very simple, but keeping it simple is also the point because when you make something very complex, then you're not really back to the basics. You know, you, you're creating a situation where it's, you know, you feel like you're being graded in, in a creative writing class. And that's actually not the goal. And I just want to share, they did this study with um, men who were um, seeking employment and half the group uh, had a practice where they did expressive writing, journal writing, and then half of them did not. And the group, of the men that did the expressive writing journal, they found employment much faster three months after they started than the group that didn't. So there's clinical work behind what I'm sharing. And also it applies to the business you know, community if you're struggling with a new position or you're looking for work. And as I said, it works with emotions as well to just to share whatever it is, it works out on the page, or perhaps sometimes if I'm in a pinch and I'm feeling really stressed about something, I'll send myself an email. It doesn't have to be formal, but things like I've found that, or I'm thinking about, or it's really important to me, or what I've discovered, or what I'm thinking about. These are just very simple prompts, but they can really help alleviate some of the internal suffering that you may be experiencing. Yeah, I love it. Get get some stuff out of your head. Um, Let's kind of shift a little bit of, of how you've, you know, that's kind of how you work with people that are grieving and, you know, ha- helping to support them and, and your, you know, the work that you do uh, with individuals. Tell me a little bit about how someone, you know, goes from like, you know, this event happens, you're a former social worker and psychologist, your life's shattered, as you say, you know, you're picking up the shards and in the midst of those shards, you go from, you know, uh, like, 
Kristen Mikoff, the, the, the social worker to getting the ear of someone like, you know, I don't know who the first person was, if it was Deepak Chopra or yeah. So to, you got to tell this story of, of how you were, you know, I'm sure he gets reached out to by hundreds of people for business opportunities. Thousands. He told me it was over 4,000. 4,000 people, um, you know, reaching out to someone like, and, and people for, for those who may be living under a rock who don't know, like tell us who Deepak Chopra is and um, what was your initial reach out to someone like that, to him, to get him to respond to you? So Deepak Chopra is actually a medical doctor. Some people don't realize that. They think he just sits on a yoga mat and meditates, but he's written over, I believe, I have. To, I was texting him the other day, I believe it's over 90 books. And he writes about everything from meditation in, to parenting to leadership in the soul. And he's taught at Columbia, I believe, and he's led some major studies. He's one of the first people in the medical community to make the connection between the mind and the body. So what that means is when the mind is thinking about something, the body experiences stress. You might have heartburn or a pit in your stomach or a headache. And in the beginning, when he was first sharing these beliefs and what he saw to be true, it was an experience with his actual, his brother as a child. People thought, you know, he was crazy and delusional and out of touch with reality. He shares in one of his books that when his uh, um, grandparent was sick, um, his brother broke out in an actual rash. Like there was a physical manifestation of hives that appeared. And Deepak made the instant connection that the emotional distress created a physical response. And so I really wanted to be associated with myself in a holistic way because I had been doing yoga for years. I had actually uh, started meditating with one of his apps, or excuse me, not apps, um, meditations online. And so when I reached out to him, you know, I didn't realize it was him when I did the email. <laughs> and then he emailed me back and said, no, you know, um, someone said, no, I'll meet you. And so we met in New York and he realized I didn't have a book or anything at that time, similar, I think, to many people, but I had an idea. And so I just, I just wanted to connect with him on a human, human level. And I also had a lot of questions about my husband's illness. Dr. Chopra is an endocrinologist. My husband had an adrenal disease. So I had, you know, a few questions about that just for his opinion. But it was um, at that time, you know, I didn't ask him when I first met him for a blurb or anything like that. I just was really curious. I hadn't even read any of his books when I met him. I hadn't, um, you know, read, read any of the articles or anything either. What was your first email to him? I, I have to know. Like I I I got really like I was shocked when I reached out to, you know, people have heard the episode with Dan Pink and he has over ten yeah, million books so, sold and you know, and I met him, you know, just in a chance encounter after a speech and I didn't think he would actually remember who I was and maybe he'd you know, he, he I think he remembered that moment when I referred to it in an email, but you know, someone who's never met Deepak, who, you know, hadn't ever you know, read, wrote, wrote his books. Like what was your, if you can, you know, uh, like think back, what was your like email about to him and what were you at? It was there an ask in the email? Like, how did you get from email to actually meeting someone like that in person? So 
I actually reached out to him on social media and I said, oh, you know, I'm really interested about, it was a program that he was doing and I said, I'd like to write about it. And then I shared my email and he was in my inbox, but I didn't know it was him because I couldn't tell by the actual, you know, the the address. And then um, in the email, it said like, my foundation is supporting this. I'm, you know, someone else is actually physically, you know, running the program. It was about obesity and connecting it to um, exercise and giving, actually giving back. So he, it was a program that that is no longer here. I mean, current, but when I talked to the person who I think is the CEO now of, of the foundation, he said, he looked at my website, which is very, very remedial, very basic. And said, I think Deepak would like to meet you. He's like fascinated with your story. And I'm like, oh, really? The next thing I know, he, I was like CC and I realized, oh, that was Deepak all along that we, I was emailing because <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, that, that it was him because he just said connecting. So I didn't know when I was reaching out on social media if that was actually him or somebody else was managing the account. And I guess my um, big takeaway from all of this is that many times the people that we look up to or seek their advice from are very accessible and social media has for good or bad has many ways leveled the playing field so that people like me who don't have a PR manager and can't afford it, you know, fancy PR are able to develop those relationships in a obviously a professional way. And, in, and that's how I did this with Katie Kirk, with Amira Shriver, um, with Jesse, you know, it was just reaching out and being very sensitive to the fact that they are professionals, that they get lots of asks, and I don't ask right away for anything. It seems like you, you know, it's amazing. I mean, it seems like you, yeah, you, you, you offer to, to give or to help, right? Like your first thing is like, hey, I want to write an article about this, or I didn't know what with Katie Kirk or Maria. It's like, hey, you referenced something that they did or that you saw them and you offered to do something for them. And, you know, even when you met them, you're not asking for anything. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, I don't even know when the ask came, if, if there was an ask, but it's, it's, it's almost like a mindset. I feel like, you know, you're kind of like, you know, obviously like these people can help you in amazing ways and benefit you in amazing ways, but that's not how you're, you're viewing it. You're almost viewing it as like, Hey, let me just help. Let me just give, let me just do these things. And then through that, you know, maybe there is something that comes up and maybe there isn't something that comes up, but you know, like if you're doing stuff for them, some, you know, sometimes that, that, that level of reciprocation just naturally comes. Um, you know, I don't know what you think about that, but you know, is that like kind of what happened with some of the other people like, like a Katie Couric and Maria, Maria Shriver? I, I mean, um, with Maria Shriver, I was, I had said that I would, um, writes, I offered to write, I believe it was, I mean, this is several years ago, but I had offered to write something for her website about, um, I'm forgetting, I'm, I forget how I shaped it, but it wasn't, you know, asking. So I guess that's the point. It was offering and giving, and that's who I am as a person. I don't give to everybody, you know, I can't, you know, say yes to everything because I, you know, I get requests for interviews and things uh, to do other things. I can't promote every single, you know, situation. But if I feel a genuine alignment and connection, then my intention is to give first. 
and not to see what I can get out of a situation because these are people. And I think sometimes we forget that they're people first and it's people first, not things first for me. And I think that I know many times I can sense when somebody just wants something from me and they want me to make a connection with to them, you know, with an editor from a fancy magazine or a producer at a big show that they, you know, know that I have a connection with. And that gets old really fast. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. not, those really aren't, you know, great connections for me. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting because yeah, like I'm, I'm sure, yeah, as soon as people are like, oh, look at, you know, Kristen can be the conduit to get me an interview, you know, to, to talk with Katie Couric or to Maria Shriver or something like that. And it's like, well, no, like I'm, I'm a person. I would love it if you want to get to know me. And, you know, if, if I were to even do that, um, that's totally secondary and that's, you don't, you know, by asking that just kind of shows, okay, you're about you and kind of, um, like, you know, like you're looking past me almost as a person. Um, uh, and it's, it's not, there's no connection that you can make that way. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really, I, I'm sure there's some, so many people listening to this, like, huh, like why would like Deepak Chopra, like after, you know, 4,000 people reaching out to them, you know, like just That's say, a hey, week. It used to be, he used to get oh, 4,000 a week. 4,000 people That's a what, week we, we met in person yeah i mean he's you know multi-million you know followers on various platforms and um so yeah he just happened i was kind of joking like yeah, i bet you get a lot of people asking you things and he was real serious it's like it's actually about four thousand it's probably even more now because you know as as uh, people's profile increases online yeah yeah you know, usually that increases the asks. Yeah. I'm curious. Have you ever asked him like, why me? Like Deepak, like why, why, um, after, you know, years later or something like that, you know, why, why did you take that first meeting or what, what, what is it about me? Or I don't know, maybe not, but if he hasn't, if you haven't asked that question, what, what would you say if he did ask that question or what do you think he would say if, if well, uh, you did actually ask that I, I did, I asked, um, one of the people that helped to, um, okay. you know, even though he and I, connected, you know, online, the person yeah. who was the meeting up with somebody else because, well, that's just the way it works. But at the time, um, you know, actually I've, I've never shared this online, but I did, I did ask, I did ask that, that question and they said, um, you know, we quietly mentor one or two people that we think can change the world. And, and I would, and I happen to be, you know, one of those people and, I think, you know, obviously I was extremely honored. I was very taken aback when they said it to me. I was in person with them. And I think, you know, while I said, well, I don't have like thousands of millions of followers, you know, I, that's, what, that's what I instantly thought of, like, how, how is that going to be possible? But since this time, and this isn't through Deepak or anything, but, you know, I've been to the United Nations. I've spoken there, um, elevating the voices of widows who live on less than a dollar a day. I've been to the UN more than once. Um, I've been to Harvard Medical School. I've participated in um, helping awareness of various cancer-related drugs. Um, I've been on the board of Major University Cancer Center at the University of Michigan. You know, so I've done things, and I've done a lot of things quietly as well. And I guess they just saw something in me. 
I mean, that's got to be an amazing, like, boost and just, like, wow. Like, ha- has to be, like, it's 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 honestly kind of inspiring for me because, like, people think, like, man, like, how would I get there? You didn't start out probably thinking, like, oh, I would be able to one day speak at the United Nations or meet, you know, someone like a Deepak Chopra or something like that. I think your, your starting was just at a place of your own grief and your own story and you were you know, you, you were looking to, um, you know, for resources, you were looking to, to people who, um, may be able to help you tell that story or to, um, you know, who, who may listen to that story. Um, right. Um, cause I think it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna, just like, what do you think about that? Or what was, uh, you know, it, it, that's what I take from it, but I'm not sure kind of like, what your your intentions were when you first started so my intention and i am very clear with people that i work with so i actually work with people too who want to learn how to share their story in an authentic way and you know don't want to necessarily write a book i mean you know there's all different ways to share your story with this blog whether it's a podcast or you know a magazine article whatever it is and I tell them, whether it's with me or anybody else, to be very clear about your intention. So if it's a business interaction, if it's a phone call, podcast interview, whatever it is. So my interactions with the people that you've mentioned, most recently you mentioned Dr. Deepak Chopra, it was very clear and it has been with, with whomever I meet, it is to help to tell people to share a message of how they can heal their own suffering. And when I say how they can heal their own suffering, I don't mean that they have to download an app or that I'm selling them something. You know, I just provide a few, as I shared earlier about, for example, journal writing, that you don't need to, you know, do anything fancy, that the um, onus is really on yourself to take that initiative. And once you do that, as far as whether your intention is to, to help alleviate suffering for somebody else, or you're sharing your message of hope, or whether it's inspiration, that can really break down other barriers. And I think people get caught up in like numbers a lot. They think, oh, I've got to reach a certain number. It's the end of the quarter. If I don't reach that number, you know, my brain's going to short circuit and everything's going to collapse. But if you start with the intention of what it is that you wish to share and why it is that you wish to share it, people will remember the story. They may not remember exactly the product number, the model number, your number, you know, yourself, whatever it is, but they will remember the story. And that's often why, for example, if you watch Shark Tank, you will hear the sharks ask the contestant, well, tell me the story about that, or tell me your story, or how did you get to this place? Because they connect with stories as well. And that's really the angle that I've taken from the very beginning, that your story can change the trajectory of your life by connecting with stories. And it's also the way that I think businesses are shaping the, you know, the way forward is not just about numbers. It's really about the stories. And that's why, for example, when you go to websites, whether they're a startup or whether they're a Fortune 500 company, you will see an about me. And it's not just the degrees anymore of the schools that they receive those degrees from. It's usually some other personal information. They've run a marathon or they work for a particular charity because it's deep and personal to their heart, whether it's because, you know, they've lost 
you know, the father like I have, or the child is struggling with autism or whatever it is. In in the past, sharing something personal like that, that your child's struggling with something like dyslexia or autism would have been like a big no-no, there's big boundaries around it. But now it's a point of connection in, you know, in a very authentic way. And people will want to get to know, you know, you at that level, that human level, I guess mm, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think that you've practiced that story, you know, like when you told it at the top, I don't know if you've told it just, uh, you know, you, you told it so effortlessly and, you know, what you're, you were saying just now is, you know, when you said, you know, it all started, you know, back in 1979 with my, with, you know, like, you know, my family and um, my mother being a, a widow and not knowing, you know, how to do, you know, and not having a blueprint. And then fast forward to 2007 when my own husband and then you went into like how it was eight weeks and it was misdiagnosed and people were probably like, wow, like there's all these questions like I want to ask her on how she like, like what the moments like were between, you know, her finding out like bronchitis was diagnosed and then her husband passing away. There's probably a thousand stories within that short little 30 second story that you just gave me that kind of open up the reader to, you know, wanting to ask you, but it's not like you told it in 10 minutes or 20 minutes, you told it in, you know, less than a minute. Um, do you, do you, do you, did you practice that in the beginning or did that just kind of flow out of you of practice, you know, writing in a journal? Like how did you hone that in a way that you think that people that resonated with people or, you know, or, Oh, no, I practice. So what happened actually initially is I had the story I just told you because I thought, well, I had heard, you know, I've, I read things, you know, people are like, you got to get the pitch down within you know, so many minutes. And I went to my first New York meeting and I shared that. And people at that time were not comfortable talking about grief and loss because it was not, you know, like the pandemic had happened. And, right. and I like cleared out the room and I thought, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> like, no one's going to, you know, why I'm meeting with me. So what I did at that point is I reshaped it, which was, it was very true, but I reshaped it to the one of gratitude. And I, and I talked about how my late husband taught me that gratitude is the answer to nearly every question. And so when I reshaped that, to that message, I was able to attract American Greetings, the card company did an interview with me because of that sentence. And also um, then people, like I mentioned it, my late husband, you know, obviously, it's, it's all in the sentence. And then they want to ask more than they do. But the reason I shape it that way too is gratitude really was the foundation for which, I mean, that's a different part of my healing, but it really was the foundation in which my husband and I started our relationship. Um, we exchanged gratitude notes through email. And then when after his diagnosis and was determined it was terminal, if one of the first things he said to me is, let's start our gratitude journal again. And then after he died, I remember looking on the nightstand and there was a spiral notebook and I reached over and I picked it up and it was his gratitude journal that he was kept handwritten almost until the day he died. And, you know, I knew at that moment that there was something that I could do to help myself to start to heal. It would be to resume the gratitude practice. And so that too is, a, you know, as a form of journaling and I, I didn't realize it at the time, but, um, you know, there's science behind practicing gratitude. And there's actual physical responses that happen when you do that. And, you know, I haven't been able to heal every part of me by any means. I mean, I still have lots of anxiety. I still have moments where, 
you know, I find it difficult to even know what to say when somebody tells me about their loss, especially when it's a loss of a child. I still have moments of self-doubt. And so I don't want to present the picture that, oh, I've got it all pulled together and like a sound bite because that's not what's happened. So, you know, at the same time, when it comes to business, um, it is important that we practice as much as we can. Deepak has told me that. I remember my book came out. I was so nervous because pre-orders, the pre-orders are really, really good. Um, we don't self-publish. Pre-orders are very um, indicative often of how the book will do. And I, a day before, I said, well, what do I do? Because, you know, at that point, you really can't. I mean, I've done everything. You know, I put it all on the table, like tried every single thing I could do, interviews, reaching out. And the list goes on and on and on. And it came out number one in various categories before the actual launch day. And he said to me, I'll never forget this, because he could sense the anxiety in my voice. It was, it was, it was palpable. He said, now you have to detach. And I went, like, <gasps> you know, you just kind of had to let it, you know, let it go because I've done everything business-wise as far as preparing the very best that I can do, but you can't control it. And anyone can tell you that they can put a thousand percent effort and the project launches and it's not necessarily the results that you want or you, you know, or you, you go to a race and you run a marathon and you don't qualify for Boston or you, those kinds of things do happen. Yeah. You know, um, you're making me like think of like my experience because, um, you know, I was always like, you know, to get me through, like, I, I never knew anybody with, uh, cancer really close to me. You know, I knew of people that had breast cancer, but my, my dad called me in November of 20, I want to say it was October of 2019. And just out of the blue, he's like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm driving to my wife's house. I just want to tell you, I have leukemia. You know, he just wanted to tell me very succinctly and just stri- hit me right in the gut. But he's like, I want you to know I'm healthy. I feel great. I feel amazing. They've noticed this marker and it could move slowly, but I don't have long. Um, I don't uh, feel bad at all. I don't feel un, un, unhealthy. I don't feel you know anything, um, but I'm at peace with everything. And I just didn't know what to do with that information. Um, but then I started kind of thinking to myself, I, I, I looked about, you know, I searched research grief and gratitude and all those things. And a quote that really stuck with me was, you know, when Brene Brown said something to the effect of like, um, it's not it's not joy that makes you grateful. It's gratitude that makes you joyful. And I think she was referencing a, you know, kind of an ancient kind of, you know, a priest who said this once, but what she was trying to say is basically, you know, it's not, it's not that like you're happy and you're grateful. Like you want to be just grateful because you have all these things in your life and you want to be grateful for that. It's actually the reverse is that the happiest people are actually practicing gratitude, not just even in a journal, but they're you know, finding ways to to tell people that they're grateful for them. Um, they're grateful. They they stop and they 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 pause in moments and look for moments that they're grateful for. So all these moments that I had with him throughout the hospital, and there's so many. I mean, they range from him doing a Winston Winston Churchill impersonation in the ICU because um, he is this. Uh, he worked for the Smithsonian, and he's uh, has tubes all in his body, and you know may have weeks to live, and. He's, you know, I, I hand him a book of uh, when he was born in uh, 1940. These are the things that happened in 1940, the year you were born. And Winston Churchill was, you know, he was promoted the uh, prime minister of Great Britain. And then he starts going into, 
you know, never before in all of human history have so many owed so much to so few. And, and there were things like that that I just can't explain, like that I'm just so grateful I got to witness in person. And there was like countless other, I have 150, I have a, almost 180 recordings on my iPhone where we were in the hospital and I just clicked record and, um, you know, just uh, recorded just ad hoc conversations that were going on, things that my dad said and things that I haven't ever, I haven't even listened to them all because there were some of them just too hard and, you know, and some of them I just haven't gone back, but I have those, you know, and it, it gives me comfort that I was, you know, there in person for those things. And like you said, it doesn't ever go away, but it's like when I can talk about him, um, it, it, it helps in those times where I, you know, I feel like I don't have him physically, but I, I think I'm grateful for just a new, uh, relationship with him, me, you know, spiritually, whatever you want to say, but, um, I get to meet, I get to know him through his friends, no stories about him that I've never heard or, you know, through his friends and things like that. And my mom and my sister and things like that. So, um, yeah, it, you just gotta, maybe, maybe that's what you made me think about when you were talking about, um, you know, using gratitude in that way. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, you know, Kristen, as we kind of close out, you know, um, you know, you, um, uh, you, you, you're able to, like, I feel like, you know, relate to people and, 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 you know, connect in a way. And I know like this is a sales focused podcast and, you know, some people don't feel like some of this stuff is, is selling necessarily, but I, I certainly do because it's not in selling in the, the, the way that a used car salesman might sell a car, but it's, it's certainly getting people to buy you, you know, Deepak Chopra, you know, found something in you. Like you said, you were one of a few people that they mentor from, from afar. Um, and obviously other connections, you know, you, you got connections in this way. So, you know, what advice do you have for people that, maybe struggle with like, you know, kind of seeming too pushy or seeming like they're, they don't know where to start with like, you know, trying to, you know, uh, I don't know, connect to other people. A lot of times on social media, they're like, okay, that's great. You know, reach out to people in social media, Kristen, I got it. You know, don't talk about me, but they still, they still struggle with it. So, you know, what, what advice do you have to those people that are just like, I don't, I don't see how, do, how do I, how do I, what, what, how do I even write that first message? Oh, well, I mean, I, t I, I teach that. So I feel bad if I came across, you know, that for me, it was very instinctual, but you know, I, yeah, I yeah. People how to do that, but for sure, I would, I would say, um, cause I don't want to set, set somebody up for disappointment and, and, you know, cause that's not a good feeling, however you look at it, but I would say to be very confident in the story that you're telling. Nice. Okay. And that, Whatever it is that you're suffering, you know, with whether it's lack of confidence or overwhelming anxiety, or moments of sadness, to embrace that and to use that in a positive way. Because when we try to suppress things, like, oh no, I'm not anxious. I'm just going to pretend like I'm not anxious. That actually creates more intense emotions that are more uncomfortable for you, and it will make your sales meeting or a business meeting, whatever it is even more difficult for you to show up as your authentic self. So I encourage, you know, for years, I wouldn't talk that I wouldn't, I would never have said, Oh, I have anxiety because people, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to interview her. She's got anxiety. I don't want to work with her. But now people will say, Oh, you too. Oh, now you can understand me differently because I've had anxiety too. And actually 
you know, that's why I've struggled with whatever, you know, message it is. And it really is a way to, I think, to embrace your own humanness and to forgive yourself when things don't go so well. So really be confident in your story and really embrace all of it as well. And the things that you may find unattractive about yourself are really often the the ways in which you connect with people at the human level. I love that. Yeah. You know, that's so funny. Yeah. Because yeah, before this, we had some technical difficulties and I know it was a little tough and, but I love how you put it that way. Cause I never would have thought that I'm like, Oh no, I I'm almost thinking like, I want to just like, I'm trying to like lessen the anxiety and stress. But then like in reality, it's just like the reason why I didn't say, let's just reschedule this another day is because I just, I, you know, I like talking to real people. Like I would rather like have someone like admit like, Hey, I'm dealing with this. And so I can, you know, try to calm it down or say certain things, then someone go, okay, I have, you know, this, you know, what are you going to ask me? I have, these are things that I could talk about and I'm going to stay in this lane. And, you know, that's just like, I, I don't, we don't need to have a conversation to, to know those things. Like, it's just very one-sided versus like someone saying, Hey, like, this is what I'm going through. Like, just wanted to, you know, like okay, throw that out there. It, it gives people an opportunity to be real back to you. And almost you can kind of read, hey, is this going to go well? Like if I had just been like, yeah, let's just reschedule this. Maybe maybe this isn't a good time or something like that. Then you would have been like, hmm, okay, maybe I know how Alex is. But um, no, thank you. Thank you for, for saying that. Um, you know, as we kind of close off, uh, Kristen, I like uh, asking people like kind of a unique question because I, I, I think we're all, you know, we all have these different sides of our personalities and things like stories about ourselves that like are just so unique to us that really like a story that really no one it could happen to no one else so i always like to ask my guests at the end you know maybe people can connect with you off of this story so the question i usually ask guests at the end of these podcasts are you know if i if i um you know asked your friends and family you know this um you know if i if there was just something that that totally defines Kristen, you know, something, it could be an event, it could be a quirk, it could be a thing. What is just something or some event that, that could only and would only happen to you? Something that is just so totally you, what would your friends and family tell me uh, about that thing? Or what's that event or that quirk that is just, you know, something that only you uh, do or could happen to you? Well, I've been told this numerous times from different people, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this is what this is what um, resonates with uh, with them if they if they asked you this. My answer is that I'm very unaware of pop culture, so I have been invited to numerous events, including like the Vanity Fair party, unaware really of what it is, and said no. Stop <laughs> and it. That no, I'm serious. And for example, there've been other movie stars, which I don't, I don't know who they are because I don't, you know, I don't know the name. So I, I get invited to some things and I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to do that. And then I see like later my friends or whatever, like see what you missed. I'm like, oh wait, they're with, oh, is that who that is? So it's, I'm not good with uh, pop culture references, names, music, that kind of thing. <laughs> so just to confirm you you passed up on like a vanity fair party there were celebs there you could have been hobnobbing i did i did okay. i passed up on some other other um private events too that i just i didn't 
because I didn't I didn't understand I didn't understand the name. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know what that is. It, it almost that. like like it doesn't shock me because then like I'm sure you 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 know you you don't have any fear reaching out to you know people maybe because you don't like you don't let that hold you back like you know like they're i don't know i'm sure you maybe knew some of these people like deepak and others that before you reached out to them but you 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 don't have that mystique about them like the celebrity doesn't enter your you know strat like if you don't know if you're not you know too into pop culture and you don't put them on too high of a pedestal and you don't revere them like you don't treat them as celebrities like a the um the pop culture version of the person but actually just they're all people in the end like yes they're more famous and they have a following and and people know of them and they have notoriety but that um you still like you you still relate to them on a a person-to-person level and uh you know without the uh you know without the fear sort of thing is that is that what i'm i guess i mean i don't (laughs) I mean, there's some there, you know, I've gotten by to some things um, that I really wanted to go to that could like, I do recognize some names, like, you know, something came up with Steven Spielberg and I wasn't able to go. And there was something, you know, with Al Pacino, like those names, I, I do recognize a lot of the stuff. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how that works. That's funny. <laughs> Someone told me once, like, you need to read people magazine. So I, I opened it and I bought it. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense because I don't recognize the name. So I don't know how this is. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, um, I, uh, yeah, maybe I could, I could get you, uh, maybe we, we, we talk afterwards about a, like a, a Netflix uh, show or, or like some, you know, music, some, some current music. But, um, other than that, you know, Kristen, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for like, you know, letting us, you know, some, some fun stories about you, maybe some you've, you've not shared before. Um, you know, where can people like just, you know, find out about the work that you're doing and uh, where would you like people to connect with you? Oh, sure. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me, Alex. Uh, my email um, is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N at, at symbol, KristenMikoff.com. And my web uh, site is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-E-E-K-H-O-F.com. Perfect. And all the information will be in the show notes. I'll, I'll give it to people. Kristen Mikoff, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for, um, you know, I think it was a great interview uh, and uh, conversation, um, all the anxiety and the goodness, uh, you know, with it. So thank you so much for, for having this with me today. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.